Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. He's just happy at home. He has a slanket. He likes to sit in it. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Growth mindset is failure is how we grow. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. There's nothing I like like easy ideas. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. There are some kids that are fixed mindset and that's how God made them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about growth mindset. What is it? Is it a thing? Is it still a thing? Because experts have come to disagree slightly. I'm going to cast a gimlet eye on growth mindset, but... Well, of course you are. (laughs) Of course you are. These are the kind of things. And listen, I think the concept of growth mindset is understandable and makes a lot of sense, but I think it involves a level of control that I will be casting a gimlet eye towards. Okay. All right. Believe me, you'll have your chance to be like, aha, I knew it. All right. I knew it. I knew it was a scam all along. I mean, maybe it's a scam. I kind of come down on, well, I won't tell you what I come down on. You'll just have to listen to find out. Or we could just make this a very short two-minute episode, but no, let's tease it out a bit. What's growth mindset? As always, like, I think I know what it is, but what is it? What is it really? That would help. Carol Dweck, she is a Stanford University psychologist and researcher that uh, has been talking about growth mindset since the 90s. It's her term. It's her idea. Many people have built upon it since then, but she was researching it in the 90s. We'll talk about that first study. And she wrote a book called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, which came out in 2007, and it has sold millions of copies and been extremely influential ever since. And it's not just a parenting technique. It's an everybody technique. It's a resetting of the way you think about things that's available to everybody. And of course, it's useful for parenting too. So here's growth mindset. I'm for that. Growth mindset is the belief that one's abilities and intelligence can be developed through effort, learning, and persistence. In other words, that talent and skill is not something that you're born with, but those are qualities that can be cultivated and improved over time. Not sure about the binary there. I mean, there are certainly people who are more talented than other people. Right. There's affinities, but the problem is the binary on the other side. Like, you're good at math or you aren't. You're good at art or you aren't. You're born that way. And so I'm never going to pick up a paintbrush or do a math problem because I'm just not good at math. That's a fixed mindset, which is the opposite of growth mindset. 
I mean, I certainly see the pitfalls of the fixed mindset, which is that I had a roommate in college, went to a women's college, and she was the, maybe one of two physics majors. And she was an incredible physics mind and is now a physics professor. And I would say, I am not good at math. And she would always give me stern lecture about how I was taught that I was not good at math. And that in fact, I was good at math. I just didn't think I was. And I would always sort of disagree with that. But in now the decades since I attended college, there are probably 45 physics majors at that school instead of two. And that's because access and STEM education and whatever else has said to young women, like this path is available to you, has changed the number of women who pursue that path. I'm not sure there is mutually exclusive, I think, but I do think that mindset, it's the classic thing of four minute mile, right? That like for 50 years, people said that humans could not run a four minute mile. And then in, I don't remember the year, I'm going to say the 60s, Roger Bannister breaks the four minute mile. He runs it in 359 or whatever. After 50 years of people trying to do it, he breaks it, let's say in March by December, 14 other people have broken it. Like there's definitely something to like, knowing it can be done makes it doable. So what's the name of that guy though that broke the four minute mile? What was his name? Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. So Roger Bannister clearly was had a growth mindset. Like he was wired to be, that's a challenge. I love a challenge. Telling me I can't do something is that, well, maybe I can work a little harder. Maybe I can come at it a different way. You can get creative. Like people kind of are one way or another. I'm thinking of one of my kids who was, you know, crumpled on second base crying that he wasn't good at baseball and wanted to quit baseball. And like that happened every weekend because he felt like one was either good at baseball or not. And it was too late for me. Right. And I was sort of like, this is gentle little league parent pitching, not even little league. It was like, let's all show up and, you know, run around a little bit like. (laughs) Right. T-ball. Yeah. Yeah. This is low stakes, dude. Let's get back out there. And my job in that moment was to encourage him, like, you know, you did great. I loved how you swung the bat, whatever, to show to show your kid that they had had growth over time instead of like there's haves and have nots. And I'm always going to be on the wrong side of that line. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very easy to pick apart when you go to the binary of like, I am not going to be as good at basketball as the kid who just started for the Spurs, who's seven foot six. Like there's just, you know, we're not going to be as good. That binary doesn't work. But also the binary of I'm bad at baseball because I missed the ball once I should quit also a bad or because girls aren't good at sports like boys are or because that's right or math right all those kind of things you don't belong in the space yeah yeah and and I've been thinking a lot about perfectionism recently and we call kids who like give up and crumple up the paper we call them perfectionists but I think that's not necessarily what's going on it's that they have a fixed mindset like I'll never be able to do this not I'm frustrated because it's not perfect, but I'm frustrated because I can't see the end game in which I accomplish this at all. And that's a fixed mindset. Understand. I think I get it. So underneath this, so I'm going to quote Carol Dweck here. She says, if you have a fixed mindset, that means that effort is bad. Like it means you're not talented at something. So if I'm striking out when I go to the, you know, weekend pickup baseball game, that's a bad thing because it shows that I'm not good at baseball. We have a fixed mindset. But if you have a growth mindset, I went and I struck out, 
But I got my bat on the ball. I actually foul tipped once and and I never did that before. So that's great. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to try it again. And I'm going to try to have fun anyway. And I'm going to learn something that effort is the point, not the proof that you're not good at something. Yeah. I mean, I think that in this setup, growth mindset, good, fixed mindset, bad. And I'm not even sure I believe that's true. I think that fixed mindsets can be very productive in a way. I used to date somebody who was extremely competitive in sports. And Sunday, he goes to play soccer in the park. It's the thing he looks forward to all week. And the other team shows up, but the ref doesn't show up. So the teams are like, well, let's just play anyway. And he goes home because he's like, I'm not interested in playing if it's not a game. Like he doesn't play for fun. He plays because it feeds something in him that needs feeding. But he's already good at it. Like, you certainly wouldn't feel that way if you weren't really good at it, right? You want to show everybody else how good you are at it. Yeah, he's super good at it. But I think in in a lot of ways, that mindset served him very well in life. You know, it was a, a very driven and like goal-only mindset. But certainly, he was lacking in growth mindset in terms of like, couldn't there be something good about this as well, you know? I think a fixed mindset is probably a characteristic of many people who do certain things very well. Right. Or of a parent who rewards like, we'll get into that, because blaming the parent for everything is not what I want to do. But let's talk about the original study. So Carol Dweck did this study in the 90s. This is why there's such a thing as growth mindset, and it's true, and it's real, and it's provable per this, the results of this study. She had fifth graders take an IQ test, and the test, the scores, you know, weren't really the point. They told each kid afterwards that they had done well, but they split up how they explained that to them. So to half of the kids, they said, you must be really smart to have done so well on this test, which is a fixed mindset. You're smarter, you're not. And to the other half of the kids, they said, boy, you must have really worked hard because you did well on this test. So that's a growth mindset. That's how they played it on this study. Then they asked each of those sets of students, would you like to do some more problems? They're going to be a little bit harder. And the kids that they told, boy, you must have really worked hard, said like, okay, I'll do some more hard problems. And the kids that were told they did well because they were smart, now would you like some harder problems, said like, no, thank you. No, I'm good. It's interesting. I mean, I think there's certainly a lot of truth in the way. It's the old, uh, I love watching you play for kids who play sports, right? It's, uh, I think I go back and forth a little bit about how much this matters. I think that There are people who have parents who are, you know, extremely driven in specific ways and it drives them in those ways that's probably negative, but they accomplish a lot. I mean, I I don't know that you can say like growth fixed, one good, one bad. I guess, yes, it's probably better. I do think that at a certain point saying to kids, listen, you've done your best and now we'll see how it goes is better than like... If you don't get an A, you're going to go to military school. Like, I think that, like, certainly... The tying you to the piano bench thing, right? Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot to the story. I'm just a little bit meh on how it plays out. Well, like, it's hard to argue with, like, yeah, it sounds like it's probably a good idea, right? And we want our kids to think that they can try things, that they can explore, they can be challenged and fail and work harder and grow. Because that is how you grow. I guess that's why people are like, yes, this is a good thing. And this is why. Because growth occurs getting through difficulties. 
Agree. And I think there's a natural human resistance. I mean, I, as an adult, tried to switch from skiing to snowboarding. And I was just like, I don't want, I'm done learning. I don't want to learn anything new. I don't want to fall. I don't want to hurt myself. I'm done. Right. I don't ski at all. And I might have a fixed mindset about it. But it's also like, I don't like it enough to blow out my knee. I also have very fixed elderly body parts that don't want to be slammed into a hill. Yeah. We need to be able to let our kids say that, right? We can take this too far. You must never stop playing baseball. Right. Like, I'm good. But that's right. I definitely hear my kids. And I, I wonder what where it comes from. The thing of like, oh, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at... they. We say all the time, and I think this is the key to some of this, is watch your story. Like, oh, I'm no good at math. I'm a picky eater. I don't like this. People don't like me. Whatever. It's like, that's the wrong story to be telling yourself. I'm going to go. I'm going to try. If no one's there, I like, come home. Like, it's certainly better than sitting at home and telling yourself that you stink at something. Because it's better for self-esteem, not because, I mean, right, there are people who will never be able to carry a tune or... (laughs) Sure. Lots of them. a home run. And I'm going to count myself in the latter category. You can carry a tune. I've heard those pipes, Amy. You're fine. Oh, I can carry a tune. I can sing well. I can't hit a home run. I mean, I could hit a wiffle ball backyard home run in, you know, 1978. Watch me. But maybe not so much now. But but I'm not a bad person. Your kid's not a bad person if they want to give up on baseball. Maybe that kid goes and plays baseball for the rest of the summer and says, please, can we not do that next summer? Like, that's not like, what's a fixed mindset? It's more about teaching your kids to try things that are hard and fail and grow and try things is more a it's the mindset it isn't the like because then someday you will be a good snowboarder you might never be but you've gotten the mindset that it's worth trying things and it's you don't have to be good at something in order to do it i think that's really true i was taking a class last night it was a writing class but one of the assignments was to draw a ring of keys from memory and then they put a ring of keys on the table and then you drew looking at it and it was like which was easier for you to draw it from memory or to copy what you were seeing basically and it was interesting to me how many people began the exercise by saying i can't draw i'm not an artist i like people are very afraid of things that seem to have that definition of like And I would say I'm not a good artist, but I can kind of draw. I'm fine if I'm looking at something, I can draw pretty well, but I'm certainly not an artist. But it is interesting, I think, that human tendency to start something by saying, I don't belong here. I don't, I'm not this thing. Right. I have a friend who's a makeup artist who does an incredible one-woman show that tours around the country. I'll find the link. I'll put it in the show notes. Her name is Eva DeVirgilis. She's a makeup artist, and it's an incredible show because What do you think almost every person who has sat in her chair said first when they sit down? Some version of apology for how they look. Like, oh, you'll have a challenge today. Like, I'm sorry. Like, uh, my eyes, uh, uh." something about I'm so ugly. I'm so sorry about how I look that you have to do my makeup today. Those are (laughs) grownups. So let me start by apologizing for my face. Yeah. And so the whole show is about like, why do we apologize for who we are? are. And so it's hard to argue that that would be in the ring of keys thing. I'm just curious. The end goal wasn't like to hang those in the hallway so everybody can see your shameful drawings. It was like to learn something about how our mind works or what was the goal? Sure. Like, is it easier to draw something from your imagination or from 
looking at it. And those are both morally neutral. Like how do, it's like, you know, how do you approach problems? Like imagination is here for you or reality? And where do you start from? And what's the difference between remembering something and looking at it? It just, it was a, just a creative exercise, but it just sent people into panic because it was like now art, unexpected art time. <laughs> unexpected art time. All right. We will be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is. Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off 
your order of Hero Bread. You know, I forgot to say at the top of the episode, and I want to say it now, I'll say it again at the end, that a lot of the research in this episode comes from Melinda Wenner Moyer's excellent Substack newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes. Everybody should be subscribing and reading it. It's called, Is My Kid the, I'll say jerk, it's really called something else, (laughs) based on her very good book of the same name. We've had her on the show. And this episode of the newsletter was called, Is Growth Mindset a Sham? Ah, talking my talk, Melinda. So we're getting to the sham part. I'm like, oh, Margaret would love to talk about that. Okay, so here's the controversy that was laid out in Melinda's newsletter, and I went and and read the different sources. So Psychological Bulletin, two psychologists just in the last couple of months threw down on growth mindset. They have turned the scientific world upside down with Mm. this new... A schism, a schism. I love a scientific schism. A schism has opened up. Get ready. Hold on to whatever you're sitting on when you hear this. They went back to all the growth mindset stuff because they decided there needed to be somebody who wasn't a growth mindset proponent agreeing that this was all, you know, sound. So they go back and look at everything. They said they found major shortcomings in the study's design, analysis, and reporting that the um, effects of growth mindset interventions on academic achievement are attributable to inadequate study design and bias by the researchers. Well, this is the marshmallow test, people. The marshmallow test is, if you put two marshmallows, whatever, you you give a kid, you say, I'll give you one marshmallow now or two marshmallows in five minutes. And that it's supposed to test what? Like delayed satisfaction. What is it called? Their ability to be to be patient and wait and delay, yeah, delay satisfaction. Yeah, delayed gratification. It's supposed to And that, oh, that shows all, once you are able to master delayed gratification, then you're going to get into Harvard and it's all going to turn out great if you pass the marshmallow test. And in fact, it's of course a test of stability and wealth. You know, like if you have money, then you're going to go to Harvard and also you're going to know that there's an endless supply of marshmallows on earth for you because you're a special prince and you're going to have absolutely no trouble waiting for a marshmallow. And that I don't think that any of these things dismisses everything about what's interesting about the test. Like, is it good for kids to be able to delay gratification? It is. Is it good for kids to have grit and resilience? I'm all for it. But I'm reading Britney Spears' memoir right now, Amy. And let me tell you. (laughs) What's her growth mindset? Is she growth mindset or fixed mindset? That poor lady had an awful lot of grit, you know, like that family was all grit. And I, I mean, overcame a lot of challenges and certainly had a growth mindset in terms of like, just a vision that like, she's not the most beautiful girl on the planet. She's, I mean, she's beautiful. She's talented, all those things. She's not the most of any of those things. But in some weird mousetrap plinko game of life, she became the biggest star on the planet. You know, I just think when we try to drill down on like, this is what makes this work. And I understand why people have to write and talk about things this way. But I also think in my experience of children with differences, especially kids on the spectrum, growth mindset is very hard to access for kids with ADHD, for kids on the spectrum. Sure. For kids with uh, learning differences, dyslexia, you can't just try harder to not be dyslexic. I mean, there are shortcomings to this approach. Sure. I think that there's, is there a place for growth mindset? I believe there is in that there's a place for grit and other things. But like, I sure know a lot of people who've had really difficult experiences and overcome of 
ton of things and have an awful lot of grit, but those experiences were negative in ways that really hurt them in other ways. I think that when we try to identify one factor, it gets very confusing very fast. So this study, like the backlash to the growth mindset, it doesn't really work, right? They went even further and said that positive results are rare and possibly spurious. And you know me, I love a vocabulary word. I had to look it up. It means false. (laughs) They're saying that these results were false and ginned up to write a book, which are some pretty big statements. Now, Almost immediately, all these other people rushed to the defense of this, like, no, 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 no. Their research is sound. They weren't in it to make money. They made money because it was a great idea. Correlation is not causation. If you publish an idea that makes you a lot of money, it's because it was a really interesting study, not because, you know, you were a bad person. And then they went further and found a third person went back to the second study, the ones that were like, this proves everything's false. Then a third person went back and looked at the second person's research. And they said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What your research actually shows is that it doesn't necessarily move the needle for everybody, but it can move the needle for the kids who most need to hear this messaging. I mean, see, this is what actually makes sense. Like, does your kid have a fixed mindset? I would not spend years of my life worrying that only people with growth mindsets survive in this world and trying to make a fixed mindset a growth mindset. That seems to me like a path to insanity. It's like, I will make this fish ride a bicycle. It's just a useless exercise and you're missing what's great about having a fish. But is there room to say to kids, well, you're so smart, you're so pretty, you're so talented, that's why everything comes easy to you. Like, I certainly see the flaws of that as well. But I think there is sort of, and maybe I hate to say like generationally, because I feel like these always become kind of dopey, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But I do think that the idea of like, you can be anything you want to be to every, it's not true. You're not going to be in the NBA. Probably you're a very small Irish child. But that's not what growth mindset is. That's, oh, I think overly simplistic too. Growth mindset is it's okay to fail, not that you will succeed at whatever you set your mind to. Growth mindset is failure is how we grow. Oh, I was reading it a little bit as like your ability to achieve, like talent is achievable through earning. That's what I'm negatively reacting to. It's that effort is worthwhile and effort is how you grow, right? I think we can get it wrong when it starts to slide into you will not be dyslexic anymore if you just practice your reading more. Like, it's not that simple. You can't coach height, as my uh, basketball coach friend (laughs) used to say, but you can still play basketball and have fun even if you rarely get off the bench because you'll learn something from that experience and you don't have to be a starter in the basketball team for it to be worthwhile for you to have been on the basketball team. That's what growth mindset is. It isn't like anything's possible. Yeah. And I think to use it as a tool in the tool belt probably makes a lot of sense, right? To say like, okay, I have a kid who says no as a first instinct to everything because I'm not good at that. I wouldn't like that. That that kid, I can identify a very specific need in that kid, which is to break a little bit out of his fixed mindset about prejudging things. And also this kid for low these many years has approached everything this way from should we go to the pumpkin patch to should we go on an exciting trip, whatever. 
and we come home after having a great time. And I say every single time. Now, remember how you didn't want to go and how great it turned out? Like, what have we learned from that? And the answer is nothing. We still do the same routine every single time, you know, which is, I don't want to go. I don't like it. I had a great time. And so I think the mindset can be very hard to change. And I think I'm a little more team like, what's the behavior? Like you're signing up for the class anyway, or try it anyway, or stay for the game, even though the ref isn't here, but not worrying so much about the mindset. Your praise for that child, because I know you, is centered around like, what a great job you did. You know, I'm glad you went to the pumpkin patch, even though you really didn't want to, because what if it was boring? You know, like you're praising the effort. You're not praising the, your honor roll once again. And so- you know, I'm taking you out for ice cream, but I won't if you don't make the honor roll. That we're sort of moving away from that sort of binary. And so that's worthwhile. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I think the this kid, I think until he's 40, will be like, I don't want to. But then we'll do it and we'll have fun. And like, we're trying to just underscore the lesson of that. But I'd be surprised if he's ever a kid who when something or even a young adult when something is suggested that he's Mr. Yes, all of a sudden. Well, He's just happy at home. He has a slanket. He likes to sit in it. He's a homebody. There was a study in 2019. I think we can hold all this more lightly, too. Like, I think parents listening to this are like, okay, oh, this morning when I told her to put on her own coat, was that a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Because there was a study, this made me feel a lot better. 2019, somebody studied, this is on the side of like, it's not a bad idea, even if it's not as useful as we think it is. How can it be bad for us to tell kids you can do this and wouldn't, and don't some kids need to hear this? So there was a study in 2019 where they just had high school kids read an online article about growth mindset for their homework. And those kids, six months later, had better grades and more of them had signed up for a harder math course than had done that in the past at the school because they had read one article on growth mindset. So it's like, I think this is just like an idea that you can be walked through and be like, huh, that makes sense. Maybe I can try things. Maybe it is good to, I don't think we have to make sure every utterance to our 18 month old is bathed in growth mindset for it to be something useful to know about. We need to give ourselves a break. Agree. All right. I'm for this. I feel like we're making progress, Amy. All right. We're going to really land this when we get back after this break. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. 
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And now, your guide to the moms of the drop-off line. From the What Fresh Elle podcast. The PTA mom. Her place in line, first. You'll recognize her by her omnipresent clipboard. If she approaches, flee. She's looking to sign you up for the bake sale committee. The how does she do it, mom. Her place in line, effortlessly second. You'll recognize her by her impeccable clothing and her well-behaved children. If approached by her, try not to stare at her biceps, babbling, how are you even possible? The antisocial mom. Her place in line, towards the back, you'll recognize her by her total lack of eye contact. If approached by her, don't worry, there's literally no danger that that would happen. The hot mess mom. Her place in line rolls in 10 minutes after the pickup line is closed. You'll recognize her by her frantic cries of hurry up, jump out, we're late again. If approached by her, jump immediately clear or she will hit you with her child's French horn in an effort to make it to the front door before first period is over. This has been your guide to the moms of the drop-off line. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. I have some very easy ideas from Melinda one or more about how to foster growth mindset in our kids. It's a little bit of homework, but it's kind of easy. There's nothing I like like easy ideas. I like them better than growth mindset. That's for <laughs> so, sure. So this is the idea we've heard before, but just to like nail down what it is. You praise the effort and you tie the effort to outcomes. This was a little bit harder for me to understand. Like you say, wow, you worked so hard instead of I'm proud of you because you got an A. I'm proud of you because you worked hard. I love watching you play instead of, you know, you really beat the gremlins, whatever. You praise the effort. <laughs> you really beat the gremlins. You tie the effort to the outcome. <laughs> so Melinda Warner Moyer says, you might say, instead of saying, wow, you're so good at Spanish, you might say, wow, that good grade must show how hard you've been studying. I did this just last night with my college student, to Scott. his first grades, his first college grades, his midterms. He was happy with them. He told me what they were. And because I was thinking about this, you know, he got a really good grade on a really hard exam. And I said, wow, you must have really studied. And I gave myself the tiniest of backpats because I'm praising his effort, not wow, you are, you know, a smart kid who, you know, now is never allowed to get a B. Okay, so that's the first one. We've all heard that before. Yeah, I mean, Gimlet Eye. All right. You're not saying it's a bad thing. You're just like, eh, I guess. I don't know that there's a huge difference between those two things. I get it, but I don't know that it's not phraseology once in a while. It's like an overall approach to how you live your life. And so, I mean, I just think that not to cut the thing off of the heels, because I do think some of this is interesting, but I think that the way you phrase certain things to your kids is not super interesting to me versus... The way you all conduct yourself on a daily basis is going to be much more indicative of how this all works out than whether or not you phrase certain things correctly to your children, I think is where I come out on it. Or whether you tell your five-year-old that she looks pretty in her Halloween costume, like, don't get out the hair shirt. <laughs> yeah, like you're going to eventually say to one of your girl children, you're pretty, and one of your boy children, you're smart. And like, I get it. It's a little baked in the cake, some of this stuff. I think in general, 
it's not, I think this stuff comes down to like, say this, not this. And that what it really is about is like, our core family value is that we try things whether or not they're uncomfortable, that we realize that like, we can try things and still fail at them or try things and be good at them, that some of those outcomes are out of our control, like whether we have a talent for that thing. I mean, I think that some of these parenting concepts want to boil down like it's like a magic trick kind of version of what is actually a very long life of many different choices and whether or not you say X versus Y is fairly removed from outcomes, I believe. Well, it's very important to remember that you're not sneakily just trying to get your kid to have better grades by encouraging them to get better grades in a more couched way, right? This is effort is worthwhile. I'm proud of your effort. And that needs to be true whether they, you know, no matter what the result is. And that's the part I don't think I really understood. This isn't a backdoor approach to getting to having a genius child. It's, it's teaching your child that trying something and failing at it is really worthwhile because failure is how we grow. Yeah. And I think that it's an ultimate example. The idea of do your kids see you doing this? Do your kids see a family culture of this where like, do you say, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm bad at this. Not to put it all on like on the mom or the dad or what you're saying and doing, but I just think it's a lot deeper than phrases. It's probably much more about like, do I not speak to you the whole way home when you lost the football game? And do I take you, you know, do I praise you to all my friends only for the things that you accomplish? You know, there, it seems to me like it's a approach to life that is very fundamental that goes a lot deeper than saying or doing the right thing in any specific moment. Well, you kind of hit on one of the other sort of pieces of advice around this, which is that we have to do this work ourselves. It's always the same advice, right? Now, first, you have to stop yelling. First, you have to foster a growth mindset. <laughs> Such a bummer. <laughs> I think we could just have a podcast. It's like your kids are going to turn out exactly like you act. And that's the podcast. You can all stop listening now. Yeah. So, so I'm quoting raising yourself on Instagram, normalize failing at something new in front of your kids. You like that title, Raising Yourself? Yeah, I like that title. Raising Yourself, she says, normalize failing at something new in front of your kids. That's what it's about. Not normalize succeeding at something new in front of your kids. Normalize, you know, I have to think about that. Yeah, like having a sense of humor about the stuff that we're bad at. I try to. I mean, I'm bad at pickleball, but the problem is my kids yell at me. And like, I'm like that. I'm not down. Like, they're mad at me. I'm not mad at myself that I'm bad at pickleball, but they're mad at me that I'm bad at pickleball. So it's not so easy sometimes. Yeah. My kids think I'm bad at dancing. I'm like, these moves are fly, fly. We were doing table topics. So I'm going to say six, seven years ago, like when we started the podcast, you turned me on to table topics. Do they still make it? Who knows? If they do, we'll link to it. Yeah. It's just a little box of cards for the dinner table. And we usually now only do it when we have a friend at the dinner table with us. And so it's just little cards to ask questions. And the question the other night was, what is a fear you would like to conquer? Or what's a fear that gets in your way? I can't remember how it was phrased, but the, the questions are very clever because they lead to really interesting conversations. And all ages. I mean, there's ones that are just for adults, but they're a question like that. A lot of age groups could answer that. Oh, these kids ranged from, you know, 10 to, yeah. And then my husband and I were there and it was 
an interesting conversation. And I think that one of the things I like a lot about those kind of conversations is that, you know, one kid says, well, I'm really afraid of this. And, and then the parents talk about things they're afraid of. And it's like, yeah, we're all trying to figure out how to approach hard things. And that is sort of central to this idea, right? Of like, okay, can I try things even though I'm afraid of them? And, and can I not connect? Well, I'm afraid of doing this because I might look silly or I'm afraid of doing this because I might fail at it and disconnect outcome. I think the general idea of disconnecting outcome from action is very, very smart. Mm-hmm. And for yourself and modeling that and every aspect of that, I think is right. There was one other thing I wanted to say about like the downside to the whole growth mindset thing that I thought was important to underline, which is that we have to make sure, I think, in our schools and in our, you know, teams and systems and stuff that when a kid is struggling, isn't doing well, their mindset might not be the only issue, right? And we sort of let ourselves off the hook when we say, hey, look on the bright side and get back out there, right? Like a kid who's crying at a baseball game and doesn't want to play, they might just need to be told that there's a thing called growth mindset and failure is how we grow and get back out there. Or there might really be something else going on in that kid's life that's preventing them from playing baseball right now. And you see what I'm saying? We let ourselves off the hook when we're just like, just fix your mindset and then you'll get an A. Well, maybe there's a learning disability. Maybe there's a problem at home. Maybe there's kids do well if they can, but growth mindset is not the only thing preventing them from doing well. I think that's true. And I think that it's also really important to acknowledge that this is like the top 4% of a problem to me. And that this is where this kind of stuff sometimes makes me crazy. That like, if you're worrying about whether you have a fixed or growth mindset, you've solved 96% of the other problems to me, you know, like, it feels to me, not definitive. It feels very kind of tweet tweet almost, you know, like, okay, it starts to feel that kind of like, let's hack for the perfect outcome. Right. Again, you're not hacking for outcomes, but it's, it can be strictly start to become that way, right? Yeah, that this sometimes feels a little bit. And again, I think I resist it, honestly, because I have a kid on the spectrum and I don't think that mindsets are that adaptable. I think that they're And so I read some of this stuff and I'm like, must be nice to think about that. Like I have kids who have fixed mindsets that are not available to change. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And so possibly I bring my own kind of bias to it of like, I don't value this. This to me says like, to me, this is the value of a fish who can ride a bicycle a little bit. Like, I don't know. But it's mental health. It isn't valuing success. It's valuing mental health and it's it's valuing self-esteem. I think the problem can be when you're like, I want to make sure my kid is also has a growth mindset that it sounds like it's one more thing to be good at instead of... Yes, I think that's it. It's to teach you it doesn't matter what you're good at. That's what growth mindset really is. It isn't like being an Eagle Scout in self-esteem. It's having self-esteem. Studies have kind of shown what everybody can sort of agree on, right? Everybody on the growth mindset has gone back and forth. It's important. It's nonsense. Well, with this, what the middle ground seems to be that everybody's coming to in this recent sort of upheaval over growth mindset is that... It's hard to argue that it's a bad idea to introduce kids to and that there are kids who benefit 
from it and their at-risk kids tend to benefit more. Like maybe somebody needs to just walk a kid through this idea. Maybe they're not hearing it at home. Somebody who's not getting eight bedtime stories a night might not really know that it's okay to fail. And like they might never have heard that idea. And I think you're right. There are some kids that are fixed mindset and that's how God made them. And then there are other kids who maybe are growth mindset and need to have this idea introduced to them. And it'll make them feel better, even if it doesn't mean they, you know, go on to be a Rhodes Scholar. But it's so hard for us to untie the two. Like, this is really so you'll be a better parent and they'll be a valedictorian. That's not why you're doing it. But I think it gets, you know, warped. I accept your premise, Emmy. I think that's right. I think it's no harm. And I think that it it's probably something that I bring my own bias to in a way that makes it kind of like, but I think there is value to the idea. All right, then we solved, solved it. it. Solved growth mindset. <laughs> I'll let the scientific community know that we've solved it, that it's probably a pretty Please. good idea. The schism <laughs> ends today. The What Fresh Hell podcast has spoken. Do you get our newsletter? Once a month, we send all our listeners a newsletter that has some of our favorite recent episodes, what else we're up to, where you might be able to see us in person. And also, we always do something we're listening to, something we're reading, and something we're watching that you won't find anywhere else but the What Fresh Hell newsletter. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Sign up for it. Check us out. What Fresh Hell newsletter, friends. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, everybody. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, 
we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.